Welcome back to the Mano y Mano podcast, the podcast that debates hypothetical one-on-one basketball games between current NBA players, retired athletes, fictional characters, celebrities, you name it, we debate it. My name is Adam, and I'm joined here by two of my best friends, Laura and Austin. How are you guys doing today? Adam, you know what? I want to change it up. How are you doing today? Oh, oh, that's so nice of you. I'm doing fantastic in our fantasy basketball finals for the umpteenth time but looking like it could be my first championship and no one will be able to talk shit to me ever again and i'm very 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 much looking forward to winning this i know lauro is a big hater is rooting for the guy that's already won two championships and uh me who has won zero championships how how, how do you explain that lauro well uh, the the guy that's already won two is Roger, who was on your episode last week. Um, <laughs> honestly, shout out Roger. Yeah, if he wins one more, like it doesn't really matter. When you win one, you're gonna be insufferable. So I'd rather just <laughs> keep it a one annoying New Yorker instead of two. <laughs> but yeah, I I was watching that matchup last week where um, our our friend Chris, who you were playing last week, was making quite a comeback at the very end, and I was watching just biting my nails the whole time but unfortunately he didn't make it even though he scored like 1400 fantasy points which is crazy but (laughs) also do you have a favorite between uh roger and i you know it's been a long time coming for you in a year of madness where i can come up with a million reasons why you didn't deserve to win but still ended up (laughs) doing it this is probably a best case scenario i'm gonna get out of it you know it's gonna happen inevitably at some point so i guess i'm okay with it i'll root for you adam there we go. Yeah, it brings a smile to my face. There we go. And uh, yeah, so other than that, uh, Ramadan's ending. Uh, Ayin Mubarak, my fellow Muslims that listen to this, and by the time this is out. So uh, yeah, we, we celebrate not fasting anymore. What's the first breakfast food you're going to eat? Ooh, that's a good question. I'll probably make myself like a nice egg, egg sandwich uh, of some sort. I used to have New York bagels uh, back, but we finished them all. But I'm going back to New York in like two weeks. So I always bring back at least like a dozen and a half, two dozen bagels, put them in the freezer and just like have them just in the stash because you just can't replicate it out here. Um, I'm just happy you didn't say bacon. Turkey bacon is definitely going to be in the mix. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Adam, when you come over next weekend, I got you with a breakfast sandwich. I've been killing it out here. I've been getting a lot of praise for my my egg sandwich. My my homegrown egg sandwich oh yeah yeah Yeah. no i actually want to i want to try that all right next weekend yeah i uh, i'm looking forward to moving down there san diego hopefully uh, if all goes the cards go right but uh yeah how did it feel being on a hiatus laura how did it feel uh listening to the pod without us being on a hiatus was incredible um (laughs) i (laughs) i had a great time not (laughs) not talking to you guys (laughs) Uh, yeah, so I, I had some friends over last weekend, so we we were just you know painting the town red in San Diego. But I did listen to the podcast, and it was a great episode uh, for most of the first half <laughs> until <laughs> until Roger let you guys get out of control. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not I, hate I, on I our guest here. He did he did no, a valiant. No, Roger effort. did great. Roger did great. <laughs> did, he did great with the hand he was dealt. Um, he, <laughs> He just, some people are born with the leadership skills to keep, <laughs> to rein you guys in. And some people aren't. And <laughs> Roger's not one of those guys. It's okay. Uh, like chaos <laughs> reign. <laughs> 
you know, Biombo is beating Steve Nash's out here, you know. <laughs> Dexter being Bismack Biombo is the most absurd <laughs> player pop I've ever heard. <laughs> I oh literally yelled God. I like I yelled out in my car when I was listening to it. <laughs> I think the um, desired effect was achieved then. <laughs> you winning was also absurd. <laughs> Even though Adam was like cheating. All, all, right, all right, all right, all right. Well, if you haven't listened to the last episode, obviously there's a lot to uh, to digest. Uh, yeah. I suggest you you I, listen to. I it. recommend it just to, just for the entertainment value. <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. But yeah, I had a good time last weekend. Uh, but I'm ready to be back. And ready to start kicking more butt. <laughs> yeah, we're we're happy to have you back, buddy. But let's uh, I I know we're terrible at transitions, but I, I guess I'll pivot to some basketball related news. By the time this gets out, this will be the last week of the regular season NBA, and I just wanted to get your guys just like general thoughts of the season, and then maybe one championship prediction of the way the teams are looking now. I feel like this season ended up being all of the chaos and you know, unexpectedness that people thought was going to happen with the bubble. Like the bubble ended up feeling like whatever at the end of it. Like, you know, you could say probably the best team won. You could say they didn't really play any of the best teams along the way, kind of like Adam and his fantasy playoffs right now. Oh but, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I would say is that this, this year it's just, there's been so every single team has had like some dramatic, issue that that they've stumbled over i I can't think of one team uh, that hasn't had a a great player miss significant time you know with covid we had three to four teams that i think drastically changed the course of their seasons our celtics the raptors even the mavericks i think would have been competing for probably a top three or four seed uh, if they hadn't got hit so hard at the beginning of the year and you know we'll have our playoffs there's going to be some upsets it's going to be interesting, especially out in the West. But, you know, I'm really just kind of starting to look forward to next year already. Like, I will enjoy the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to press the fast forward button too much here. But I want some semblance of a regular NBA season. You know, every single week, there's some devastating news. You know, today, Jalen Brown. Last week, <laughs> LeBron's out back again. And it just hasn't felt normal all year. Zion Williamson. Zion, Brandon Ingram. It's just it's never ending right now. So let's get back on our normal schedule, get a few months of rest and, and hit back at it after uh, some excruciating playoff basketball. <laughs> it won't be that bad. Pessimist. Austin hit the nail on the head. This season has been the NBA season from hell. Watching you nearly win a fantasy championship is breaking my heart. <laughs> and then watching the Celtics just plummet and – now they're in the seventh seed, probably in the play-in. Uh, LeBron and the Lakers are in the seventh seed, probably in the play-in, which is crazy too. Uh, honestly, on the West, in the Western Conference, I think if I were to to choose between the Lakers and the field, I think I might take the field at this point. Lakers are not looking too good right now, and who knows if LeBron's coming back 100%. So, yeah, it's it's been a wild season. It's been a bubble season both fantasy and real NBA. <laughs> Put an asterisk on that championship. <laughs> never, never. I, I, I succeed throughout the chaos. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> but give a championship pick, either of you? Have have one in mind? Yeah, so my, my preseason pick was <laughs> in the West was the Clippers. And I was not on the Lakers at all. And, you know, I, ha- I have to say, it, and this is such a cop-out, the unknown status of Serge Ibaka 
is really messing with my head. He hasn't been there, hasn't been back in the flow, mm-hmm. and I thought he was going to be a very important piece, making sure they're going to get all the way. So I'm actually going to reverse course, and I'm going back to the Lakers now, which is unbelievably shocking for me. I couldn't believe wow. that before the season. I definitely did not think they were the top team. I thought they were overrated coming out of last year, and I, I just I don't think any of the teams in the West at the top can get to their anywhere near their ceiling right now everybody's damaged everybody's got a weak foot in and i still i'm gonna go with the nets in the east i just you know harden's coming back this upcoming week and i just if they're healthy i don't see how they get stopped so between lakers and nets who taking when's donovan mitchell coming back you know who knows it'll be reevaluated this sunday okay I've been checking out. Dude, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see the Nuggets. I know Jamal Murray's out, but the Nuggets have been killing it. Like, Michael Porter Jr. has been going off right now. I'm hoping the Nuggets can make it out of the West. Yeah, but I'm honestly, dude, I'm kind of like, I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I'm leaning towards the East for the finals here. Like, either, like, probably Nets, but I think 76ers, Bucks, like, they're relatively healthy right now. I think, is Embiid? Embiid's Embiid's good, good to go. To go. Right? He's, yeah. He's, yeah. So I think I think I would take the East right now, even though that's probably a bad choice. It's a gamble. Yeah, it's a gamble. <laughs> it is a gamble. But they like the top three seem relatively healthy. I mean, obviously the Nets are still waiting for Harden to come back, but the West is just so banged up right now. Yeah, and I'd like to see I'd like to see someone from the East win it. It's hard to bet against LeBron, and it's hard to bet against a trio of Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. Just historically speaking, like. The way KD is already looking like he's back. Kyrie's been playing on another level this year, and he's been pretty much a godly point guard, if you ask me. <laughs> Excuse me, you're judging the first matchup with Kyrie. This seems very <laughs> like I'm going to be in trouble. I'm not, I'm not judging. Oh, oh you're, you're doing the Dwayne Wade I did a few weeks ago. I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a homage to uh, to you, Austin. Right. But uh, yeah, no, I think the Nets and if I had to guess, I'm, I'm honestly going to pick the Phoenix Suns. I've been riding with them kind of early. They haven't really been hit by the injury bug too much. They've been a well-oiled, yeah, well-oiled machine, in my opinion. And the way it's shaken out now, it could be honestly a Phoenix Suns Lakers first round matchup. So <laughs> the... <laughs> Good luck. If the, if you're taking the Suns. If the Phoenix, if, I, I I might take the Suns on this one. Honestly, did yeah. you see the game two uh, nights ago? <laughs> I didn't because no, they got wrecked by the Lakers. At Davis, like best game of the season he had, he dominated them. I'm gonna stand my ground. Uh, <laughs> and obviously, my my homer picked the the Mavericks. Maybe if KP can get. His act together. He's oh boy, don't I'm I'm starting to hop off the bandwagon for KP, but I'm I'm still on it. But the exit is looking quite enticing. <laughs> uh, but if I had to put the storyline, also it's the New York Knicks, man. Fourth in the fourth in the East. New York's back in basketball. Both of them, Brooklyn and New York. I mean, I live on on the West Coast now, but I can't imagine if I was uh I was out there. It, it must feel good. They're gonna get their ass beat by the Hawks, though. Oh yeah, right. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. They can't stop the Hawks. Dude. The Hawks? Yeah, dude. Julius Randle, all NBA team, calling that right now. I'm okay no, with no, the third. That, that's for sure. Like, for certain, he's going to be on one of those teams. And arguably most improved player. You could put that out there, too. And I plan on putting that those dollars in my pocket for my bet this earlier this year. Yes, can't wait. You, you put money on that? Oh, I definitely put money on that. On Randle? I, on Randall, this is this is shaping up to be a good year's fella. 
Oh, good year, fellas. <laughs> nice. Well, when did you put that bet? I okay. don't, we don't know. Have to, I, I'd have to. I'd have yeah. to look. I, was, I just figured you'd know. I don't remember the off the top of my head. It was like it was like two. It wasn't like the before the season. Right? No, no, it wasn't like my Bobby Portis okay. for six man of the year pick. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was wondering. I was like, damn, you actually hit one of those <laughs> those preseason gambles. Bobby Portis can still make it, dude. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Bobby Portis, he's he's going against me in fantasy this week. It's a fantasy heavy <laughs> reference in this pod because it's our finals this week. And next week, if you hear that I'm a champion, you oh baby, Ooh. I'm gonna take another hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, I guess we'll pivot into the matchups for this week. This week we're going into some of the greatest point guards this game has ever seen uh one of the more underrated ones in isaiah thomas against kyrie irving uh i will be arguing for kyrie and my guy austin will be arguing for isaiah laura will be the judge this week but before we get into the matchup let's go over the rules the game is to 21 three pointers equal two points anything else equals one point losers ball meaning if one person scores the other person gets the ball making sure everybody can play some defense it's going to be calling your own fouls, meaning if you think that you got fouled, you're going to call it. See if somebody's more physical, you're going to get a little more chances at scoring. And then if you get the steal, you don't really have to take it back. You're just going to put that up. Rewards, better defense, blocks as well. And this week, we're going to do a little something more structured to get uh, our arguments in check and, and, and more coherent, so to speak. The judge will be keeping time on our initial arguments for intro arguments. Ten minutes at most. You can use less if you'd like. I don't suggest it if you're arguing against me. <laughs> and then each person gets their ten-minute intro, and then we'll have five minutes each for rebuttals. And then the judge will ask any questions that he'd like, and then we make the decision. So this week, I'll let my guy Austin argue first as to why he thinks Isaiah Thomas would be beating Kyrie Irving in a one-on-one. Well, thank you, Adam. You know, I do have to say you didn't return the favor asking me how I was doing this week after I deferred to you, too. So I'm going to try to take that into this matchup, this this uh, this issue. I thought I did. Maybe I was just so like awestruck that somebody cared about how I felt that like I just got overwhelmed. I'm sorry about that, buddy. You know, it's just like gift giving. When you give someone a gift, you always expect one back. It's what makes the world go round. <laughs> No, when you give a gift, it's really you're in it for feeling good about giving the gift. You're not really in it to get the gift yeah, back. Yeah, you should not be giving a gift, <laughs> <laughs> expecting a gift back. That's not how it should work. And anybody that knows me know that I was being very sarcastic as well. So yeah. <laughs> We're just trying to cover your ass, you know? I don't know if it comes off as sarcasm. <laughs> you're so good at sarcasm, it's just so subtle at, at points, you know? <laughs> One would argue that might be ineffective, but that's okay. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, a.k.a. Zeke, a.k.a. the baby-faced assassin, a.k.a. the sexual harasser from the garden, uh, was six foot one, 180 oh, pounds. Oh, Get controversial Wait, early. Is it, isn't baby-faced assassin Steph Curry? They, they both baby-faced? The original baby-faced <laughs> assassin was Steph Curry. Yeah, I guess so. I, I never heard of yeah, that right. third nickname, though. That's a that's a new one for me. I think Austin coined that originally. No, I'm not originally. Uh, you know, the former New York Knicks president that had to resign due to unfortunate behavior in his tenure in the front office, not <laughs> only for terrible teams on the court, but also for some dispicable behavior. And I just want to make sure that's entered into the record. Luckily, that won't be taking effect in our one-on-one game today. For his height, Isaiah Thomas was six foot one. 
his weight 180 pounds. <laughs> Don't do me like that, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just saying I'm, I'm taking notes. I'll I'll let you know if it has an impact on the one v one. Well, the, the I I assume that Isaiah uh, Thomas that he picks is like from the '80s, so it's before he was a Knicks executive. This is true. True. Yeah. All right, Adam. While we're at it, what what uh, or do you have for the spec specs on Kyrie? Uh, Kyrie Irving is six two at one ninety five pounds at a six four wingspan. Okay, and yet again, I don't have a wingspan because I keep on getting the older guys. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to guess on this. I think he's even. I think he's six one. I don't. I didn't see anything to suggest otherwise. <laughs> Eyeball and wingspan segment by Austin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna be choosing the 1985-86 season. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was 24 years old that year. He averaged 20.9 points per game, 11 assists, uh, 3.5 rebounds, 2.2 steals, uh, and he shot uh, about 16 attempts a game and 49-ish percent on those attempts, uh, 31% from three on very minimal attempts. Isaiah uh, you know, was one of the smaller point guards uh, of his era. You know, It wasn't like he was a, a person that could take advantage of his build um, or his size, but he never let that affect how he played. He was one of the most physical players uh, of the 80s, especially in the late 80s. You could see when he was with the the bad boys, right? The whole entire team took on a, a defensive identity, in-your-face, smash-mouth type of basketball. Isaiah, you know, primarily is most famous for setting up other players, uh, but he was a very gifted scorer in his own right. He had... You know, a, and again, I won't say he had a Kyrie level handle, uh, but it was in the neighborhood of that. He was always shaking and baking. He could, you know, uh, fake to his right, uh, cross back over to his left to a pull up jumper. He routinely shot over guys uh, that were much larger than him, especially when wings switched on to him out of the pick and roll. He was, a, he was a pretty good isolation scorer. He was able to get all the way to the rim and go up against bigger guys and, and finish through the forest for a smaller guard at 6'1". Uh, I did notice that as a, as a, a pretty good skill um, when going through here. It's not like someone like Kyrie is really going to be able to sway him at the rim very much. And I think that will be a very important part of, of how Isaiah eventually is able to take this matchup. He's not a three-point shooter, really. Um, he was a very good shooter, but again, at that time, the team he played on, his coach didn't really encourage them to take threes at all. He shot about 3% above the league average that year, but again, it's not really going to be something he's doing here. It's going to be a lot of mid-range isolation scoring, getting all the way to the rim, finishing over Kyrie is how he's going to have to play it. Where I think he has the big advantages on defense. He finished with uh, six and steals in the league that year. And yes, that was with hand checking, as Adam mentions every single time. I can't wait to spin around that argument on him at some point. But Isaiah <laughs> had very good hands. He had very good quickness, and he could stay in front. And that was important. One of the other things to note this year is that Isaiah was also able to up his game, both in the playoffs and in all-star games. And we're not talking about all-star games of today where no one tried you know, these were still in the 80s when it was expected for people to play a real game of basketball. 
Um, in the 85-86 All-Star game, Isaiah scored 30 points, had 10 assists and five steals uh, in that game. When it was 11 for 19 from the floor, won the MVP of it that year. And also in the playoffs this season, he had his best uh, best series. Uh, he averaged 27 points per game on a, an eight assists as well, too. So, you know, when def- and at this point of his career, this was still, you know, not the finished uh, off product that was making it to the finals. You know, the Pistons had a lot of shot makers on this team still with Kelly Tripica. Um, they had Bill Lambeer, another really solid offensive player. Uh, Vinny Johnson and Joe Dumars was at the very beginning of his career. So, you know, Isaiah never really took more than 18 shots a game uh, at any point throughout his career, but he still was the the primary scorer. And when we came, came down to push, came to shove, when we got into the playoffs, Isaiah was always able to raise his game. And, you know, he was an excellent playoff performer. Many years, his playoff averages are better than his regular season averages because the team uh, needed to lay, lean on him a little bit more. Um, than they did during the regular season. Adam, tell me about Kyrie. All right, so Kyrie Irving, a.k.a. Uncle Drew, a.k.a. Ankle Taker, a.k.a. World Be Flat, a.k.a. Kai. <laughs> uh, World sta- Be Flat. <laughs> standing at 6'2", like I said, 195 with a 6'4 wingspan. And I'm taking this 2016-2017 Kyrie Irving. 24 years old at that point. Average 25 points, six assists, three rebounds, one steal on 47% field goal percentage and 40% from the three that year, 90% from free throw. So almost a 50-40-90 that that year on a 58% true shooting percentage. He didn't make the All-NBA team that year, and I looked at the guards that did, and the one that probably he could have made it over was DeMar DeRozan, but DeMar had a phenomenal year that year as well. So um, really just a tough competition. The year before that, he hit that big shot to win the finals clutch. So we all know Kyrie is really a clutch performer. And when you look at uh, that year, he was averaging 22, 26 points per game in the playoffs. He lost to the Warriors with obviously the arguably the greatest team ever assembled. I don't think many teams in history could beat that Warriors team. So I don't really take too much against that loss. When you look at Kyrie Irving, obviously you want to talk about the handles first, but what I'm going for and what I when I would watch Kyrie and I'm most amazed by is the finishing at the rim. This guy can just body control better than I've ever seen, finishing at both hands better than I've ever seen. And I would say he was probably better than Iverson with just like how you can contort his body and and still able to finish. I didn't realize my argument from the intro two episodes was going to be used against me here. Yeah, I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> that year, he's finishing 57% in the restricted area, and that was higher than league average. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I'm going to assume so. <laughs> and the way- <laughs> Judge. Judge. I, I'm Noted. honest. I'm honest. I could have just, just let that go, but I'm not going to lie here. This is uh, honesty time. So I watched uh, a few highlights and just some of the people that I saw Kyrie finish over. And I'll I'll send – I also learned from my mistakes about citing my material. So, Lauro, if you want to take a look at the link that I sent for the videos, I have some some marks that I can send you. But while you're you're taking a look at that, he's finishing over Kristaps Porzingis while he was on the the Knicks. So he was getting – Still a bunch of blocks per game. Finishing over Tyler Zeller, seven foot standing. He was doing a reverse layup over that. He was finishing over two smaller defenders in 
one game where I think if you if you don't got a bigger guy on him, he's going to finish any which way that he wants. Uh, there's a part there where he's beating John Wall off the dribble, and then John Wall is able to recover, and he's still finishing over him. And if you know John Wall, he's one of the best blocking point guards the NBA has ever seen one of the best blocking guards in general I've ever seen. I think I think most impressive is Dwayne Wade and John Walt for me. When I watch them, their blocks are really cool. And then there's a bunch of highlights of him finishing over and crossing up Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, who at the time with the Charlotte Hornets was a very solid defender. So when I think about the matchup that we're going over Isaiah, I, I think Isaiah really is in a predicament because obviously Kyrie has the three-point shot where he's shooting 40% that year, the best of his career on six attempts and a lot of these attempts are coming off pull-ups when you look at his sample size and everything like that he was 56 percent that year from pull-up jumpers that was two pointers so that shows that if you coming up on him really close he's either going to be able to blow by you with his quick first step and pull up quite well because he's shooting around 48 percent from 16 to 24 feet that year which is basically the mid-range spot uh, all around the court and when I was looking at a shot chart everywhere except for the right corner he was shooting above average NBA in the mid-range and I mean when you think of the matchup Isaiah Thomas was good at defense but he was really wasn't like all NBA defensive I checked he didn't have any accolades in that regard steals were a lot easier to come by that in that time I'll stand by that just the way that you were able to play defense and be a lot more physical yeah it's almost very similar to how you play one-on-one yeah, and I think Kyrie Irving, with his ability to handle the ball and his ability to shoot the ball, just to give more uh, sample size, his he was 51% from step-back twos that, that year as well. That was on 70 attempts. And on 28 attempts, he was 50% from pull-up three. I mean, it wasn't a huge sample size that year, but when he was pulling it up in middle of a game, which is a much harder environment to hit these kind of shots, he's still shooting a very high clip. And when you think about a one-on-one, just think about how you would guard Kyrie Irving. What could you possibly do to stop him? If you really wanted to take off a little room, he's going to hit the three in your face. If you want to eliminate the three, he's just going to dribble you to death. There's so many times we've seen him break down defenders like Avery Bradley in his prime. He was going against the Celtics a bunch with the Cavaliers, and that was the main assignment on him was, was Avery Bradley. And I know you two both can appreciate how, how good defensively he was. He was crossing up Patrick Beverly, Eric Gordon, Norman Powell when he was with the Raptors. I was just a few highlights. If you want to, I can I'd link the, uh, the video for that as well. And I know that um, Austin harped on the defense and how Isaiah Thomas kind of has a better reputation for that. And I won't argue that Isaiah has a better reputation, but I don't think that Kyrie's defense is really as poor as people may think. I think he takes a lot of gambles on defense, which kind of might hurt him a bit. And that's why he's a bit out of position on some of the, the plays. But he has quick hands, is known to get the steal on the ball and then just go with it. And I think for one-on-ones, when you're looking at Isaiah Thomas, how he's going to score the ball, it's going to be a lot of pull-up jumpers and in the paint. And I think the percentages-wise, Isaiah never shot really particularly well from the field. 85-86 uh, that year, he was shooting 48%. So that was his best 40, year. 48.8. Let's give us the full full roundup. Okay. Thank you. For a 6-1 there, guard, there. that's exceptional. Thank you. Okay. 40, 49% will we'll round it up. But you're looking at the true shooting, you got to include the three-point and the free throws. And he was never a particularly amazing free throw shooter. I think he was about average. That year, he was 79%. And when you look at 
I know it's from a scouting perspective, but when you look at college athletes that you wonder if they're able to shoot or not, you generally tend to look at how they shoot free throws. And it's really, I mean, it's the simplest way to shoot your shooting mechanics. No one is guarding you. It's an open shot. So the way I see Isaiah Thomas scoring, still not scoring over 50% of his, his shots. The shots that he is getting are a bit more easy. I know the bad boy Pistons, they were, they were a dirty team. They were real physical, real dirty. A lot of these these highlights, these big guys, Bill Lambeer, John Sally, they're just like pushing these guys out of the way for the clear the lane and just hit you low blow kind of thing. So I think when I envision the game going, I think Isaiah is going to get really physical with Kyrie. And I know we always want to think about that killer instinct in a one-on-one. It comes up all the time. I know Laurel loves that shit. When you look at 2016, 2017 Kyrie, it was kind of before he got into his, like, what you Celtics fans like to call his prima donna phase. He didn't really, uh, wasn't viewed that way as uh, back then. So we like to say that. I mean, I <laughs> know you said that in my life. You don't particularly like Kyrie Irving uh, and what he did with the Celtics. No, I don't like his personality or <laughs> what he did to the Celtics, <laughs> but I fucking love it as a player. I think he's incredible. I, ch- I think I chose, I wanted his handles when we did that little thought experiment. <laughs> I wanted yeah, Kyrie's handles, so that's true. Don't don't paint that picture right now <laughs> of me hating Kyrie. That's true as a player, but <laughs> just just the player I like. But I also want to highlight his Mamba his Mamba mentality. Um, when he was young and Team USA camp, he was challenging Kobe to one on one when everybody was like, "Are you crazy?" And I think that kind of shows that he has that desire to show he's the better player one on one and show his superiority you saw and he still has a fire you saw a few weeks ago with dennis schroeder calling him some unsavory terms that Kyrie didn't really appreciate coming at him and gets the double tech he wasn't backing down and i think in that regard with this one-on-one isaiah thomas is going to get a little physical a little dirty play and Kyrie's not going to take that shit and he's going to really make him pay and want to roast him on the court this is the one matchup I don't think is kind of be kind of that close. I would argue that Isaiah Thomas is more impactful on a five on five, but I don't think a one on one he's really kind of sniffing Kyrie. Final score for me would be twenty one to fourteen. Yeah, so I take exception to quite a few points in your argument. I don't think you're giving enough credit in some areas um, and over crediting your own player like you typically do in in other areas. <laughs> So first off, when it comes to physicality, you're absolutely right. Isaiah is going to get up on him. He's going to be bothering him. Kyrie's going to be expending a lot of energy going behind his back, through his legs, back to back to back over and over and over again. And yes, maybe he'll be able to, you know, shake and bake, get some really nice open looks to start at the beginning. But I think he's going to wear down pretty quickly um, in this matchup. Kyrie's definitely not known for his, um, oh my God. Guys, I'm struggling with words. Stamina? Stamina. Thank you. (laughs) He also tends to be very injury prone throughout the years. There's a reason you had to pick this season. It's the only only season he ever eclipsed 70 games, right? So, you know. That's why we're picking prime years. That was his prime year. Yeah, but I mean, even in that year, even in that year, he still missed 10 games, right? You know, Isaiah Thomas was uh, one of the top 20 minutes played per game guys uh, in that season, you know, he, he's going to be able to be more physical and, and for longer. And, and also when you talk about Kyrie's defense, right? I think you're being very charitable. He is not a good defender at all. When he shows engagement, which is very infrequent, he's 
adequate at best. And most of the time, you know, if you look at those Cavs teams, especially, he was one of the main reasons why they were so porous defensively. If you even look after in the Celtics years too, he he definitely is not a consistent effort player, and he routinely lets his guy you know back cut him. Uh, he lets his guys uh, kind of float. He doesn't stay in good position most of the time, um, and that's going to play into how Isaiah can attack him. Uh, Isaiah is really good at getting into someone's body. He's Kyrie's not a rim to turn in any way, shape, or form. Any way, shape, or form. I don't see how he's going to even other than maybe sticking his hand up going to challenge a shot. So what you're describing is, as I gave into admitting that he does become a, the back cuts, I'll admit, sure. He, he becomes lackadaisical because he's focusing on other, the team defense. And I don't think that back cuts at all count in a one-on-one. And I will say the one thing that with the Boston Kyrie is, and I, I do think that attributes to his heart is he did like to take on those tougher assignments though he didn't have the ability to guard them there was a lot of times in the playoffs against the bucks where he was trying to call a switch on Giannis or call a switch on middleton and i don't think those people of those caliber with that kind of size and strength will be able to he'll be able to defend but when you're talking about isaiah thomas in a one-on-one he's not going to be floating on defense he's not going to he's going to be locked into one defender I, I think you're very much mistaken in remembering that Bucks series. He, Kyrie did absolutely nothing on defense. It wasn't that he wasn't focusing on his guy. It was he was staring off into space thinking about how he could go to Brooklyn uh, because he quit. And he doesn't play defense, and he's done that consistently throughout his career. There's, you know, Whenever you would see the playoff runs, if a team needed a shot late, they were trying to go up against Kyrie's guy. They were trying to get him into an action. They were trying to isolate on him. That's been the playbook against him for a very long time now. He he just doesn't have the capacity to to do it. You know, whether he wants to or not, Kyrie can choose when he decides. Like, he's all over the place. How can you guarantee he's going to even be into this game of one-on-one? Going up against Kobe, Isaiah went up against Michael Jordan. He stuffed Jordan three or four times in different highlights that you've seen. Coming over, literally grabbing the ball, you know, landing on Jordan, getting in his face. Like, I'm not the biggest Isaiah Thomas fan ever but you he has a big advantage in this matchup and his in his tenacity for sure i i don't think we can discredit Kyrie irving's connection with the mama mentality you can see he's already riding for kobe to be the logo and i think in that year you saw he was still trying to do as much as he could to, to win the nba finals and i think a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth for Kyrie the way he handles the things he handles and sometimes it could come off not such a clear message and all all of that aside I don't think anybody in the NBA especially um, somebody that is as small as Isaiah I think the person that can guard a Kyrie Irving is the person that's long and and can get back when he beats him and still kind of get the trailing block when I watched Kyrie Irving's highlights and it, it was most fun time I've ever had watching highlights. And the thing that stuck out to me was his ability to break somebody down on a multitude of dribbles. There was not like one move that he used. It was always a combination of different fakes, different moves. And when I watched Isaiah Thomas's highlights, he really liked to go in between the legs crossover. It was really his his bread and butter. I mean, I, I'm not going to discredit Isaiah. He had some his great handles, but I don't think he's on the stratosphere of Kyrie and the way that he can cradle the ball and, and put somebody on a string. So maybe Isaiah gets those physical baskets and, and those st- shots, but he's not shooting that high of a percentage on these mid-ranges as, 
as opposed to Kyrie. And I think Kyrie has a lot of easier baskets because Isaiah is going to get a two-point shot on him, and then he's going to come up and guard him closer, and then Kyrie is just going to breeze by him. It's, it's going to be a, a back and forth of like, how the hell do I guard this guy? And the answer is you can't guard this guy. It's just impossible. I mean, this year, Isaiah shot a higher percentage than Kyrie did from the field. So I'm not really sure where you're getting. He's not going to shoot a higher percentage from mid-range. That doesn't really line up. I don't understand how that really would make any sense. And then also from it, too, is, again, Isaiah's going to be physical. Kyrie's going to try to break him down off the dribble. He'll be able to do it at the beginning of the matchup three or four times. Is Kyrie really going to be able to break someone down 25 times consecutively to get to an open shot, I don't see him being able to do that. There's, there's no way. He's not. He doesn't have that type of stamina. He plays in his little six-minute bursts. He stands off on the side on the elbow half the time while KD or LeBron does their thing half the time. He's not the primary person in the possession every single time down. It's just not some. It's just not something he's going to be able to do. I think Isaiah is going to wear on him. I think the final score is going to be twenty-one nineteen. I do think he'll be really close. Kyrie's going to get his twos in there, but I think Isaiah is going to take it because of the mentality, because of the defense, and because of the physicality. Isaiah is used to that physical eighties. And Kyrie's not even that physical. He's going to be able to get get through him. Paper doll. Uh, I'll just have one last point, and that is um, also Isaiah Thomas' much higher turnovers than Kyrie Irving. And I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, the usage rates would probably be the same, if not more, for, for Kyrie Irving. No. <laughs> no. Isaiah had the ball in his hands constantly. I mean, he averaged, you know, upwards 13, 14 assists many years. His assist percentage was over 45%. He's passing the ball uh, like that. He was the ball handler on all those Pistons teams. Yeah, but a lot of that, well, you still had some Joe Dumars, and he had a, he had a solid team around him that could carry him. And later, it was it Mark Aguirre or? Off pin downs and spot ups and pick and roll. Through Isaiah's yeah, so hands. I think also the, the the turnover prone and Kyrie's quick hands, he's going to get a few steals a lot easier than Isaiah's going to get some steals. This is, you don't get to, you see, you keep on doing this double standard and it's starting to make me angry. It's easier to get <laughs> steals in this, in this generation so his turnovers are higher. And then you're panning me on both sides. I'll let you take it on one side. So is he high turnovers for his generation <laughs> or is it easy to get steals? Which one is it? <laughs> Both. I, I like to have my cake and eat it too, dog. Okay. <laughs> why can't well, they be why both don't, Why don't you look at Kyrie's turnovers and see how uh, they are comparatively for the number of possessions he handled for his generation compared to Isaiah's. And then let's talk. Because I don't know what they're going to say then. And neither do you. So stop making assumptions. Well, I don't think we have that kind of time <laughs> or that research. All right, guys. All right. <laughs> Settle down. <laughs> All right, so Kyrie's at a career of 5.7 assists, Isaiah Thomas 9.3 assists. So I guess the turnovers kind of make sense. Like if you're more of like the the facilitator of the, the offense, I think you kind of get more turnovers. I there. mean, but, we um, can facilitate anyway. offense in different ways. Some people facilitate offense in making others better. Sometimes people facilitate offense in scoring themselves. Kyrie doesn't make anyone better. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that Cavs team was great. That Cavs Kyrie team does not was great. No, and, and scoring <laughs> – and scoring their themselves. What was their record that year? Sorry, real quick. Just a quick 51 aside. 51 and 31. 51 and 31. In 16, 17? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think Austin was surprised. He really, he always, he wants to, it's, it's the best where Austin thinks he's catching me slipping and then I like have the answer for him ready and he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I was curious. I didn't know the answer. <laughs> All right. So 
Austin, you're at a little bit of a disadvantage here because I never watched Isaiah Thomas play. So you talked a lot about his defense and his physicality. What is he doing on offense? How is he taking advantage of Kyrie's defense? Like, what is he going to be doing? I, I'm not really sure what his bread and butter is. Like, is he a mid-range? Like, is he good at mid-range shooter, shooting? Is he kind of a post-up guy? I know he's physical. He's part of that bad boys Pistons team, but yeah. So, so no post-ups, right? He's going to be scoring primarily in two ways. Isaiah had a good handle in his own right. Again, it's not a Kyrie level handle, but you don't need to have a Kyrie hit level handle to be really good at getting by people. So again, he's, you know, through the legs, crossovers type of dribble breakdown, he's going to get a good amount of mid range jumpers. And he consistently throughout his career shot over much taller defenders uh, in shot pretty good percentages uh, on those. Again, I don't have the shot data like we would have with some of the the newer players to to back that up. You're going to have to trust me on that one. I think Adam would agree with that. And also Isaiah was really good at finishing uh, against bigger players at the rim, right? The, the 80s, the, lo- the lane was clogged for a player his size who didn't really shoot three-pointers, right, to shoot near 49% from the field. You're going to be finishing in the lane quite a bit, and he did that very successfully in this season. So again, I would expect a lot of starting from near the elbow, a couple of dribble, maybe one or two moves, you know, efficient energy to get to a spot he can take a good shot and, and a good shot for him. And that's what he'll be doing. Okay. Um, and I see that Isaiah Thomas, 29% field goal percentage on threes. Um, obviously, he played in an era that he didn't really have to shoot a lot of threes. It looks like he only shot, like the most he ever shot was 2.5 attempts per game. Kyrie obviously shoots a lot of threes. How are you going to make up that difference? Because obviously it's a big advantage to be a good three-point shooter in one-on-one. Yes. So I think he was 31% the year I chose. So on a 28% league average, right? So he's probably going to take one, make one three during this game is what I would think it would be. I think he's going to make it up through his defense and his intangibles. I think that's where he's going to be able to slow Kyrie down some. I think he's going to get into his body. I think he's going to be physical with him. I think Kyrie's going to dribble off his foot. He's going to start getting his own head a little bit. And ultimately, it's going to be really close. And Isaiah will just make a couple of shots at the end to take it. Okay. All right, Adam, what is Kyrie going to do on defense to stop Isaiah Thomas? He's not a good defender. He's not a very physical player. And Isaiah Thomas obviously is. Like, there's got to be something that he, he has to, like, shooting threes will get him so far to, to give him an advantage, but he's going to have to stop Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah Thomas is super athletic and super physical, so how is he going to stop him? Really, Kyrie's knock on defense is not his, is his lack of engagement and ball watching, and he gets beat by back cuts. And a lot of times when people are attacking him on defense, they're creating a mismatch for him. And... That's what they're hammering in. So Kyrie's not able to guard these these bigger players. That's true. And I won't say that he will be, but I think in this matchup with somebody that's one inch shorter than him and not able to hit a three, Kyrie is able to pick him up at that top of the free throw line, a little probably like top of the key-ish area to that elbow and and still be able to say Isaiah has that, that quick step to try to get to the rim. He'll have a little bit of room to make up and when you look at the percentages, I know Austin kind of hammered this on some previous episodes. You're only going to be shooting about like 45 to 46 percent on those pull ups. And when Kyrie is hitting these twos and widening that gap and kind of figuring out as the game goes on what Isaiah likes to do and what he doesn't. And I think that's what comes in the advantage of Kyrie is because he has a, a deeper bag of, of the tricks that he can 
kind of come into. So defense-wise, it's it's a lot more about adapting and seeing what Isaiah likes, but having the room to kind of fall back if Isaiah wants to drive because he's not going to hit as high a clip on these longer mid-range shots uh, as Kyrie would. And and do you think so? We were talking about that matchup against the uh, the Bucks in the playoffs before he left the Celtics and destroyed our hopes for Anthony Davis. So when he played that that series, he he got visibly, I guess, frustrated, right? Flustered. He was obviously just taking all kinds of shots, and he was the demise of our team that season in my eyes. Uh, do you think he's going to get flustered in this game, like with this physicality from Isaiah Thomas? He seems like the kind of guy that can get kind of like in his head, as Austin said, like frustrated and kind of do a little too much. Uh, do you think that's going to happen against Isaiah? The only reason why he was acting like that is because you really didn't want to be in Boston. And he just kind of gave up on the whole team. And I, as a Boston Celtics fan, I, I can I can see why that rubs you guys the wrong way. If somebody did that to the Mavericks or the Knicks, I would I would feel the same way. Uh, Rajon Rondo. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the relationship with Kobe really honed in his, like, able to hone in the moment. He was able to hit a, a big shot, so I think – that shows that he's not going to get flustered or, or under any sort of pressure if things are not going his way. And when you see that he's engaged in liking his team, like right now he's in Brooklyn, he's having a career year shooting-wise. He's having, he's killing it. And he gets to go to all the birthdays he wants. I was about to say, despite the the off-court antics that some may look down upon, I think when he's engaged like he was in Cleveland, he's still putting up numbers. When he wanted to move on, then he wanted to move on. But Boston wasn't it. And then Brooklyn was it, and now look what he's doing. He's engaged. I just want to give you props for answering a question about defense and turning it into him being engaged and putting up career shooting numbers. That was that was a nice try. I I, I saw pivot. you over there. That was a good. That was a good pivot. <laughs> just flustered. I'm talking about engagement, man. It's just all interconnected. <laughs> and also, just just for future reference. Kobe Bryant worked with a lot of players. Not every single one gets the Mamba mentality for association with him. Just they worked out with him a few times. I'm not saying Kyrie doesn't have it from that, but let's just just be cognizant of that too. Kyrie, Jason Tatum. Because Kyle Kuzma spent an awful lot of time with him, and I haven't seen no Mamba mentality from him lately. The they point. were on the same team. They didn't work point. out together. That's a different. It's different. They didn't work out together. <laughs> no, Kobe would never share a workout gym with Kyle Kuzma. Well, I do have to say, Kuzma has improved a lot. I will give him credit. I don't hate him as much as I used to, but still. Just in case he listens to the pod. <laughs> yeah. Shout out oh, Kyle man. Kuzma. <laughs> All right, guys. Any last points? I think I've come to my decision. Any uh, final final goodies? I think if here? you come. If you've come to your decision, then I'm not going <laughs> to well, uh, <you laughs> waste change my it. breath, bro. <laughs> I'm wavering. All right. So I've thought long and hard for the last 20 minutes. And I think Kyrie's defense is going to be atrocious, without a doubt. Isaiah Thomas's offense, I, I didn't really sway me there. Uh, I think his defense will be good. I, it didn't, his offense doesn't sway me. Like I don't know if he's going to be able to make up the, the difference. I think Kyrie... With his handles, with his versatility, his three-point shooting uh, is going to take it over Isaiah Thomas by a smidge. Three-point shoot, shooting goes a long way, and I do think he does actually have, like I wouldn't say the Mamba mentality. You can't just throw that term on every player in the NBA, but 
I think he does have a lot of confidence. He does have kind of a like a competitive side to him, a, like a chip on his shoulder kind of thing. We've seen that in the finals. We've seen that in all levels of basketball with him. And uh, yeah, uh, I I think Isaiah Thomas has that too. But I think Kyrie just has more offensive skill sets and talent, and uh, the three point shooting will take him over the edge there. So I'm going Kyrie on this one, even though I hate his guts personally. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Kyrie, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm just trying to save face for any NBA player that has to <laughs> take a gander at this podcast. <laughs> Honestly, dude, as much hate as I as I have for Kyrie, or like I say a lot of things bad like bad things about Kyrie, I probably he's probably an awesome guy. Like he seems like a really chill guy, like good to talk to. He's he just seems like a fun time. He'll come to your he'll miss a game for your birthday. It's, yeah. He seems like a really, really dependable, loyal friend. <laughs> He's ride or die. He's definitely yeah, a ride or sure. die. Guys, this was like the ultimate trap argument for me. You made me pick a pass-first point guard, and I couldn't mention his passing. <laughs> <laughs> I only did it once. I thought he did pretty good. But I, I also think Kyrie game. takes the cake, too. I, I think that was a good judgment. Man, this is episode two in a row of Austin siding with the adversary after losing. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring up <laughs> Isaiah Thomas's ank, uh, injured ankle fourth quarter in the NBA Finals, 25 points. I was waiting for that, and I couldn't even. I didn't have any any counter to that. That was <laughs> like it's still a uh, NBA Finals record for fourth quarter points. It's incredible. It would have required me to choose a very subpar season, regular season numbers. Nah, to, but to, to fail to, to mention that. it. But to fail to mention it, you could still mention like I tend to stick in my season. That was the rules as they were presented to me. Was it a season? Was it before or after your season? That that it happened? was about five years later. Oh yeah, you can't, oh, you can't okay. bring up stuff after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what the tricky part is. It's kind of easy to bring up something that happened prior, like to show like a, a yeah. personality trait kind of yeah, thing, yeah. as opposed to after. Yeah, yeah, like I over didn't know here, that was I'm, five I'm, years after. I'm bringing up Kyrie's shot in the finals, and that was after his <laughs> the, season the year before. Was, was the year was before. the year before? Oh, oh yeah. So that's why I'm I picked sure. it also because like he had kind of comparable numbers, but still he would better shooting all around the year yeah. after, but still had the title under his belt as big, big nut shot. <laughs> Earth be flat. <laughs> World be flat. World be flat. Because it's a spin on world be free. Another old school Uh, basketball player that you definitely did not get the reference for. No, but we should (laughs) should have a matchup with him soon. So I can learn. (laughs) We can. He's good enough to. Yeah. All right. I'll let let one of you guys take him. (laughs) I'll take Metal World Peace. All right. (laughs) Yeah. World be free against Metal World Peace. Damn. World be free has some crazy numbers. I'll just repeat that real quick. He's really good. Yeah, we could definitely, uh, in the future, watch out for World Be Free. <laughs> but for this matchup, we called it uh, Kyrie Irving going against Isaiah Thomas, our judge. Uh, our judge calls it 21-19. to 19. So that wraps it up for our second, uh, first, second matchup, our first matchup. For our second matchup, we decided to do uh, Disney Princesses. And I will pull back the curtain a bit and suggested that I would choose Jasmine because I am half Egyptian. I have family in Egypt. You know, I just had a certain connection to that, that region and that movie growing up. I put the idea out there and Lauro was uh, just perturbed 
that he was not able to pick Jasmine quite quickly. I just don't agree that you have dibs on Jasmine just because you happen to be in the same <laughs> geographical location or from the same geographical location. She's been my girl from day one. I love Jasmine <laughs> and I love the movie Aladdin. And I, yeah, I just, I, I think I needed, I just needed my fair shake. I just want to make sure that it was, a, it was fairly decided and not you just get whoever you want because you happen to have some connection, which I've never heard of until this moment. <laughs> I think it's an inherent connection. You've known me long enough. You could see the parallels. <laughs> well, there's no there's no Brazilian princesses, all right? So <laughs> it's not fair. Disney's not in Brazil? Yeah, that's surprising. They, they don't got a Brazilian one yet. But I'm hoping. I'm hoping. 2024 coming to a theater near you. They still got time. Yeah, so uh, he was like, you know what? You can't just call dibs. I didn't have any way to combat how do we pick her. So I was like, I think there's an obvious choice for which Disney princess would be the most badass on the basketball court, and that would be Mulan. So that's who I would be arguing for. So today's matchup will be Jasmine versus Mulan. But before I get into that, I do want to ask you guys, what's your affinity to Disney? What's your favorite movie, favorite song? Let's hear it. You've caught me very off guard. (laughs) Yeah, where do I start? There's so many good ones. I I mean, Aladdin is is definitely one of my top ones. I mean, A Whole New World, like, just incredible. Uh, I really, really like Tarzan, all of Phil Collins, the entire soundtrack. And then also Hercules. The music in Hercules is, like, I don't know if people, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's underrated and overrated at the same time that people, like, don't remember (laughs) it. But then when you bring it up, they're, like, they're jamming to it. Yeah, the music in Hercules was incredible. Uh, so I think those are probably my top three. I really like Lion King too, but like it's got to be Aladdin, Hercules, Tarzan. I can't really choose between those three. But unfortunately, Tarzan. Uh, Jane's not a princess, right? Nah, probably no, probably not. No, I don't think so. She's a pseudo princess. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I can't remember Hercules' girl, but I don't think she's a princess either. So yeah, no, I, had to, I had to choose Jasmine. <laughs> I'm a Toy Story guy through and through. Woody and Buzz just have a special place in my heart to Infinity uh, and Beyond. Yes. Just, just iconic. Yeah. And I mean, it's Pixar, so I don't know if that counts, but it's still Disney, so I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. No, the Toy Story is a classic. Besides the first one, what was your favorite one? Two, three, or four? Two. Two. Really? I like, I, when I was, it was directly, my enjoyment was directly proportional to my age when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. One, two, three, four for those. I have to think really? <laughs> no, mine, mine's going one, three, four, two. I did not like two. Two is such a letdown from one. Like the drop off in quality. Is that the one with like Zorg or whatever? Like he says, Luke, I am your father or that purple. I'm not sure. It's the one that introduces uh, the the female counterpart and his horse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And yeah. the evil miner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, that was not a good one. But I'm a Lion King guy. Lion King through and through was the is the goat with all the music, goat with all the movies. It's how do you just can't wait to be king? Circle of life. Elton John just laying it on the track. Like what do you what do you mean? But yeah, Aladdin was second for me. It was Lion King, then Aladdin, then Hercules was my third personally growing up, and then Toy Story right there. On that note, I watched Mulan to prepare for this and got in. You watched the whole movie. Yeah, I watched all of Mulan. Not the new one, the old right, one. Right. Yeah, the, 
the, yeah, the I real watched one. it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lisa and I, my girlfriend, decided why not? Let's watch it. And it's funny because it's a running joke that I don't like musicals, but like whenever we we watch one, I start singing along with it and like like the music. And like Mulan has some good music too. Bangers, bro. Yeah, bangers. There, like there was, there was one song. There's one song. I don't know the name, but it's like must be strong as a na, na, na. oh yeah that one yeah oh, man yo yeah, that, that one be a man the, yeah dude mysterious I, as the dark side of the moon, the moon. yeah yeah wow <laughs> after you telling me never to sing again after last episode <laughs> and you hit the high notes <laughs> yeah that's that's a blessing bro was incredible yeah. i used to I, I used to listen to that when i was mowing the lawn in my mom's backyard <laughs> i was listening to be a man and i was mowing the lawn. <laughs> It was, yeah, that song has a special place in my heart. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was I not disappointed. I was, I was, and then you'll bring on it to us, you'll bring on to us, you'll bring on it to us all. It was some oh, yeah. some racially uh, insensitive parts in that movie, I know, with Mushu, and then the Hans were dark, and it was kind of uncomfortable to see, like, the dark people were the bad guys, but other than that, phenomenal movie, and uh, bangers on bangers. So, on that note, Mulan aka Famulan, aka Ping, aka the soldier from the mountains, aka Treacherous Snake. She's standing in at 5'4. She's 16 pounds. I'm not gonna discuss a lady's weight. That's in bad taste. How many pounds? <laughs> I don't I'm not I'm not discussing that. It's 16. She's 16 years old. But I'm not discussing her You said her 16 weight. pounds. Oh my bad. My bad. Yeah. It's... <laughs> like, is this her action figure? <laughs> she is 5'4", 16 years old, and I will not discuss her weight because that is not appropriate to discuss a lady's weight is what I was trying to say. Okay. So can we assume it's a very underwhelming figure and that's why you're skipping over it? No, I just it doesn't come up and I don't think people are really checking on Mulan's weight. She's badass yeah. as it is. That's fine for me because I couldn't even find Jasmine's weight, so... You go on right yeah. now. Yeah, Disney princesses don't reveal that. That's private information. <laughs> That's in Disney's vault. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched the movie, and it was funny because me and Lisa had two different experiences. Mine was taking notes on how to translate her skills on the basketball court. Hers was enjoying a movie. So when I look <laughs> at her feats uh, in this movie, she climbed the top of a tree with weights on her hand in a training protocol that people couldn't do like no one could do it. And she trained all night and decided to climb the tree. So to me, when I translate that into basketball skills, she's got some incredible grip strength, meaning she's not going to get the ball ripped away. Easy steals, not going to happen. The handles are tight just because just like if she, it's kind of like uh, weight training when you, uh, <laughs> have like a heavier weight it's just easy to move your hands when there's not as much weight on your wrists handles are tight <laughs> she climbed a fucking tree okay all right and there's other reasons why her handles are tight i'll tell you, I'll no, tell you let's why. hear it so I, I i just hate that she had a training montage and jasmine didn't like it just puts me at such a disadvantage <laughs> it's the training montage was golden so in this training montage, she eventually beats all, all the soldiers with some water buckets on her shoulders and running, meaning her stamina is crazy. She's fast. She's fit. And she broke bricks with her hands, meaning she's powerful, 
you're not going to really move her. She's going to like be able to get those quick steals as well. Cause if she's breaking bricks, you got to move your hands quick and powerful. So Jasmine's trying to dribble this ball. The steals are going to be quick. Like she's swiping. She's just swiping. No swiping. It's going to happen. When you look at some of the feats that happened during the movie, there was this one feat that the Han army was literally rushing. Stop saying feet. <laughs> Uh, miraculous epic event that she partook in. <laughs> I thought you were going to start talking about her footwork and then you said in a completely different direction. I know. I've thought the same thing. I've heard feet and I'm, like, I'm just like, all right. Who's gonna, yeah. Get your mind out of gutter, guys. <laughs> you implying we have a foot fetish? <laughs> Potentially. Right. Potentially. Your, your, your timer's ticking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that. So, uh, yeah. So the Han army was rushing towards her, and she had this what was appeared to be kind of like a Roman candle, if you knew about fireworks, but it was much bigger in size, and it was like C4 dynamite. They called it a cannon. That's what the, it was, but it really wasn't a cannon, like in the traditional sense. It was more of just like they shot this huge rocket. And while the Han army was rushing towards her, she decided, yo, I need to hit this rocket, perfect trajectory, hit the right point on this mountain to cause an avalanche. So she decided to run out in front of all of these soldiers and carefully aim, doesn't matter under pressure, doesn't matter her life is in danger, aims, hits the side of the mountain perfectly avalanche starts takes out mad enemy han soldiers you t- you're telling me she hit the side of a mountain no no it had to be a precise location to cause an avalanche oh, okay. any side of the yeah. any <laughs> okay. any point of the mountain wouldn't cause an yeah, avalanche that's, yeah that's, yeah great <laughs> great aim but 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 i mean you wouldn't be able to do it i'll tell you that there's no way you would have been able to, to handle that feat and <laughs> <laughs> And but there's more impressive after the fact. So obviously this avalanche happens and it's not very easy to get out of an avalanche. So some of the soldiers were able to find a rock that had some cover, but the captain got hit by uh, an arrow that was strayed from the Han army and he was pretty like out of it. So Mulan took her horse and she picked up the captain, but the avalanche was coming. The, The snow was crazy. The horse couldn't really like go up the mountain. But the friends were there on the mountain saying, hey, shoot this arrow, shoot the rope. Like they threw a rope, but they didn't weren't able to hold on to it. So Milan got the that rope with the arrow. She took the arrow with her bow, fade away from the mountain. The mountain, she was falling off the mountain, shoots the bow and arrow to her friends, and they were able to pull her up. That's a fadeaway arrow shot, meaning you know what that means i don't even have to tell you what that means that's impressive in and of itself she's got the fadeaways on fadeaways on fadeaways it is like it's easy for her precision under pressure life's in danger doesn't matter doesn't matter recklessness putting her soldier her teammates in jeopardy yeah she saved china that was that even the <laughs> captain there she was he was like you saved china and also i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and the prime minister I, I can't i can't beat that rebuttal <laughs> she, she saved china <laughs> oh man um and then i don't know i 
judge probably won't allow this because they're a bunch of haters, but uh, I would like to... (laughs) 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 But I would like to have Mushu and the Lucky (laughs) Cream... You can't bring Mushu with you, dude. What do you? This is absurd, dude. How many times are you gonna cheat? I just want him on the sidelines, bro. I just want him on. The... I just want the... Goddard the one week, Mushu the next. I like to have a gang with me. I like to have some more moral support. All right, all right. I'm bringing Raja then. I'm bringing Raja, Genie, Yago, the whole I mean... crew. Genie's not, not yours. Genie's Aladdin's, but you not bring, Aladdin. I assume that you're going to bring the tiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, we don't need Aladdin. <laughs> we got a tiger and a genie. We don't need Aladdin. So yeah, I just want to throw it out there that maybe I have some Mushu and Lucky Cricket on the side to help me out with some moral support. A player comp I'm looking at is Chauncey Billups. It's not. She's not very large, but Mr. Big Shot is Chauncey Billups, and that's really what she was doing. Hitting the rocket, that's a big shot. Hitting a fadeaway arrow, that's a big shot. Being able to take down the Han army, that's a big shot. And she plays solid defense when in the training montage, she was going hand-to-hand combat with the captain, and she was really able to block all the moves, dodge, duck, whatever. So that shows me she has like a quick just reaction time and really plays defense well because like she can stay in front of the person that's attacking her so to speak so when i and with the fadeaways chauncey bills was able to hit the mid-range fadeaway so that's how i envision mulan scoring just the way chauncey bills can score uh able to shoot the three-pointer also able to back you down with some power because she's of course got the breaking bricks she's climbing up these big ass poles with weights on her wrists uh, score is going to be 21 to 10. I mean, I love Jasmine. She's my favorite one, but like, I think she has a bag of tricks that is probably deeper than I think, but I don't envision this Mulan is just like, she's too real. So yeah, 21, 10 player comp Chauncey Billups and, uh, go ahead. Hater. <laughs> awesome. Were you keeping time? I'm positive. He went over the time. <laughs> No, it's ten minutes exactly. Oh shit! Eleven fifty-five to twelve. I forgot to mention you were actually exactly ten minutes on your first argument too. Literally, as Austin started talking, the ringer went off. So that was impressive. I don't know how you do it. The biological <laughs> clock, I guess. Um, Natural <laughs> well, rhythm, baby. <laughs> so, so what I I've been hearing from your argument is that Mulan is reckless. She's impulsive. Um, she's just out of control. She, she does things without thinking. A hater would gather all of those things from what I said. <laughs> I, judge, is that what you got? Because that, that's all I could hear. Jasmine, a.k.a. Jazz or Jazzy, affectionately named by Aladdin Genie. And then I've never heard anyone call her this, but I guess Jafar called her Pussycat. So, yeah, Treacherous Snake <laughs> and Soldier from the Mountain were from the Han Army and that assistant from the Prime Minister. It wasn't really official okay. nicknames, but it was in there. Gotcha. All right. Well, Jasmine's coming in at 5'1". Uh, I also found her at 5'7", but that was on a website that also had Moana at 7'5". So I, <laughs> I discredited that website oh, right she away. she could have been picked too. I'm surprised we didn't even think about Moana. I, I, I thought about Moana, but especially if I had known she was 7'5", I would have chosen her. <laughs> 
But yeah, I described that website. I found a different one. It said 5 1, so I'm going with that. And it had Mulan at 5 4, so I guess it matches up. So Jasmine, she's from Agraba. She's the daughter of a sultan. Uh, but she doesn't like being raised in royalty. She likes to live it in the slums. She's, uh, she's very independent and rebellious. And as you know, one on one is a, a game where you play by yourself, you play solo. Uh, so she's accustomed to being in solitude. Uh, she doesn't like being belittled or counted out. She always wants to prove herself. She has kind of a chip on her shoulder in that regard. Um, Mulan, on the other hand, she is strong and a warrior and all that, but she normally works with a team or with Mushu. You don't really see her doing things on her own. She also always has to take care of her father, so she doesn't have time to practice or focus on the matchup. Uh, Jasmine doesn't have a lot of friends so very much like Dexter she has plenty of time to work on her moves to practice to do her thing you know she's also comes from royalty which I would assume her dad has been putting her in all kinds of classes to get her like agility or athleticism she's probably really good at piano all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the dexterity that comes with it <laughs> and then she also has a strong sense of obligation to her kingdom. She's going to take this matchup real serious because she wants to bring her kingdom pride and glory. Mulan's duty, I know she saved China, but her duty is only <laughs> to her father and to protect him from going to war. The emperor himself at the end of that movie offers her to be his advisor, which I would undoubtedly presume that uh, it's a role of great honor in China. She declines it so she can return home and continue to take care of her father. She's not about bringing loyal honor to her, her country. She's bringing honor to her family. Jasmine's bringing honor to her country, and she's going to take that with her on the basketball court. She's also a pioneer. She's the first princess to be of non-Caucasian descent before Mulan. Mulan was <laughs> second. <laughs> so Mulan came after her. She's the trendsetter here. And then we we know how she's, she's feisty. She's no-nonsense, dislikes uh, like restriction. She's pretty much all business. Jasmine is there to to handle shit. So her ability, she's intuitive and intelligent. She's a fast learner. Much like Bugs Bunny, she self-describes herself as a fast learner. <laughs> like his 215 <laughs> IQ or whatever he said he had. So there's one part of the movie where Aladdin has to, they're trying to escape from somebody. I think they stole an apple or something. And Aladdin is teaching Jasmine how to pole vault and he gives her one shot. She does it right, right away, right after one demonstration. So she learns quickly. Um, she adapts quickly. She's able to read people and manipulate them. Like when she tricks Jafar uh, by reading his intentions and de desires and using it to seduce him so that Aladdin can try to steal the, the lamp, which is kind of risque for a Disney movie. <laughs> Ain't no seducing Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> And then she has great coordination and strength. She's skilled in hand-to-hand -hand combat. There's a little mini-series or like a TV show that she's in um, that shows that. She learned from Aladdin and is actually able to hold her own against him. There's an episode where I'm not really sure what, I couldn't find the actual episode, but it's called Forget Me Lots where she actually beats Aladdin in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And Aladdin has been growing up in the streets, so you know that guy knows how to fight. And then she, she's been slumming it with Aladdin ever since she met him. So she's learned his agility, his stealth his deft hands for stealing things. So I think she's going to be a defensive menace on the court. I think she's going to be swiping everything. I think that chip on her shoulder, the competitiveness, the like just all business attitude, wanting to bring honor to her, her kingdom, she's going to bring it all on the court. So my player comp is 
Rajon Rondo because great defensive player, kind of small, but a great defensive point guard, racked up steals, always had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He was always like kind of in the Celtics. He was always a little bit in the running for one of the top point guards in the league. And a lot of people said like, oh, he shouldn't be up there with like the guys like Darren Williams and stuff. And he always wanted to prove them wrong. He wasn't on the court trying to make friends. And Jasmine's not going to be making friends. Raj is the only friend she needs. They both kind of have a resting bitch face. So I think I think it's a perfect comparison for them. Yeah, so that's my player comp. I think it's going to be... I think the defense is going to, is going to be what wins this game. And I think it's going to be 21-16, to 16, Jasmine. Just to be clear, the resting bitch face you're referring to Rondo and Jasmine? Yeah, both of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure that was clear. I yeah. just wanted to clarify. That, oh, that what wasn't clear. What did I say? It, it sounded like Mulan and Jasmine. I was like, sheesh, guy, relax. Oh, no, no, no. They're focused. <laughs> no, they both have, yeah, Rondo and Jasmine have nothing bitch me. That's why, hence the player comp. Oh, okay. I see, I see. I guess you guys are intuitive and intelligent like Jasmine is. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Is there Sorry, anything Josh. else either of you would like to state before I ask some questions? Of no, you? I, uh, no, the the defense rests. I, I just want to counterpoint that he keeps on saying Mulan is reckless, and I don't believe that to be true at all. I think she's quite disciplined. She just caused an avalanche that has learned almost killed her entire army. If she didn't cause that avalanche, <laughs> she didn't. Cause if she it. didn't cause that avalanche. If I'm saying, if she did not cause of an <laughs> side of a mountain, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adam. Let's hear your <laughs> nonsense defense. Let's hear it. <laughs> if she didn't shoot and cause that avalanche, the Hans would have invaded China and taken over. She took out their armed forces, and even with the lower forces, they almost still took over everything. And her and I forgot the other dude's name. He's a captain. Were able to fight off the main villain. Han, Mr. Han. I think with the three inches height, I don't think that you can be discredited. Three inches is not five four to five one, correct? Uh yeah. So she's gonna have the strength advantage. She's gonna have the height advantage. She's gonna have discipline. Jasmine's really doesn't lack discipline. I don't think she's gonna be immovable because she can break bricks. She's gonna have she might have a strong upper body, sure. What what tells me that she has strong legs? Her running and beating all of the dudes in a race with the weights on her shoulder of the buckets of water. That was a that was a short sprint. That doesn't tell me anything about her stamina. That's up a mountain. That's an up and mountain. Doesn't tell me anything about her stamina. That was like a five second clip. In the I movie. would love to. See, I would assume that up a mountain is not five seconds up. Did you, know you shoot saying? the side of that mountain too? <laughs> wasn't necessary at the time. She only does things that are necessary to win. That see, she wins at all costs. Also. All right, the defense rests right. again. <laughs> let's, let's, let's start with uh, questions for Jasmine. So much like Rajon Rondo, I have some concerns on how Jasmine's going to put the ball in the basket. Where, where is she mainly going to be scoring from? Any specific moves you see her doing to get to the bucket or anything like that, Laurel? She's going to be all over the court. <laughs> uh, she's going to put her agility uh, at full strength. She's going to be running around Mulan. She's she's going to be dribbling. Her ball handles are going to be tight because she has those deft hands from stealing stuff in Agrabah with Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a, it's mostly I think it's mostly going to be in the paint and mid range. Talk about reckless. Talk That's about reckless. reckless. 
Yeah, Stealing things yo. from low-level people that need to make a buck? That's, that's Come not, on, that's, that's reckless. reckless. That's just evil. <laughs> and everyone needs a little. <laughs> everyone needs a little like meanness in their heart to win a one-on-one game. And she has it. She does what she needs to do. So I think she's going to be stealing the ball from Mulan a lot. So she's going to be getting a lot of points off turnovers. Uh, obviously, she's going to have to check the ball, but like Mulan's not going to be scoring as often. And I think she's going to be – it's going to be mostly in the paint. She's going to be like dribbling around, getting by Mulan, kind of like Kyrie would have, and get by her and lay up, little floater. I don't think she has the upper body strength like Mulan, so I don't know if she's going to be shooting a lot of three-point shots. So that might be a, a weakness there. But I think it's going to be mostly – Mid-range and shots in the paint. And using her her speed, her her handles, her agility to get by. All right. Fair. Adam, I have some concerns about uh, Mulan's fadeaway shots. Fadeaways are notorious for being one of the most inefficient shots in basketball. How how are you going to reconcile her taking lots of fadeaways with getting a high score in this game? So when you look at Chauncey Billup kind of fadeaways, it's not the kind of fadeaways that Dirk or Kobe would be taking. It's the kind of fadeaways that are in the paint and they're going to use your size to your advantage and it's easier to get over somebody that's shorter than you. So I think he's, she's going to be shooting over Jasmine a bunch, getting over her, kind of thinking like, think about somebody shorter than you guarding you. It's a lot easier to hit the fadeaway when their arms can't reach. Sure. So I don't know if I don't know if he's relying on the fadeaway, but like when you, she's backing down, it'll be important because Jasmine's I think would have quick hands and, and try to steal the ball a bunch. But when you're backing down and you have your, your butt to the defender, that's a lot easier to protect the ball. And I don't think uh, with Mulan's strength and base, Jasmine's going to get around her and she's trying to reach Mulan's going to teach. <laughs> have you uh, ever tried to steal a basketball utilizing a karate chop technique? Probably at one point in my life. <laughs> How do you think that would work out? Because I don't think it would work very well. well why did it have to be a karate I chop? I think there will be a lot of fouls on the top. Well, because that's how you said you were going to steal the ball. Yeah, that was, the, I say that? That was your point. I, you said she was chopping the bricks. You said she was going to steal the ball like she's chopping the, the bricks. No, no, I'm just saying the fact that she can karate chop a brick means her hands can move quite fast and powerfully. So when she wants to swipe, she's going to know how to play basketball. She wants to swipe the ball. She's not going to karate chop it. it tells she's going to take her movement of her hands. It tells us nothing about her precision, though. I think the precision shows with the fadeaway avalanche life on the line shot. So, Loro, I think we're missing a score from you. But I do have to say, Adam, I'm a little disappointed that you picked such a, a spread score and going after this big shots. Is there going to be big shots for her to take? I, I don't know. That's that's concerning. I, I said 21-16 was my score. If the game gets close, I would say that Mulan has the ability to hit these big shots. But I don't think Chauncey Billups was ineffective in non-crunch time times. So I think Mulan will be able to be effective in regular times as well if she doesn't need to hit a big shot. But I'm saying she has the ability to. Okay. I'm ready to issue my judgment. Mulan is going to get out to an early lead. Jasmine's going to make up and go ahead thanks to uh, her grace and you know apparent disregard, uh, her evilness. She's going to you know, really, you know, be tripping, I think. I think she's going to be playing dirty. And unfortunately, I think she's going to cause Mulan to bust a lip. Once that happens, it's all business. Mulan's going to come storming back with a barrage of shots. She's going to use her strength advantage that she may not have at the beginning of the game. Really 
really turn up the heat on Jasmine. And unfortunately, this is not Jasmine's kingdom where the game's being played. The heat's going to bother her. She's going to lose. It'll be 21-17. to 17. Closer than I'd like, but I'll take this W. I didn't know there was a climate wherever we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying to use wordplay, Laura. No, Mulan's turning the heat up on it her. Said, I said, unfortunately, like her, unlike her kingdom, the heat will bother her. Why? She lives in Agrabah. Oh, you, you missed know? the bars. No, you missed the bars. <laughs> you still didn't get it. But Who's it the matter. dumb one now? It doesn't matter. She lives in Agrabah. How is she? No, how is the heat going to bother it. her? Missed it. No, he said, <laughs> unlike, unlike the heat in her kingdom, this heat will bother her. Mulan's. Uh, we don't have to explain this joke. That's, it's a, that's joke, a bar. You got bars, Austin. That's bars, Austin. <laughs> Just because bars go over your head doesn't mean it's not a bar. One for your head top. Come on. <laughs> Well, that's disheartening. <laughs> I don't know why you... I mean, I understand why you're riding for Jasmine, but like you have all of the Disney princesses to choose from, and you stuck with Jasmine, even after I selected Milan. That's something you got to live with, buddy. Dude, you always go for the low-hanging fruit. I'm trying to be creative here. You always... You you went for the Charizard, and I went for the Kecleon, all right? So. <laughs> And unfortunately, some people just don't get W's with Kecleon. People get W's with Charizard. Dude, I'm gonna keep trying to get creative and get and and go with the uh, the underdog here because that's everyone loves an underdog story. No one's ruined for you with Mulan and with, <laughs> with Dragon Ball, right? No one loves you. No one ruined for you. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's our matchup. That's our second matchup. We have it Mulan beating out Jasmine 21 to 17. Our first matchup was Kyrie Irving beating Isaiah Thomas. I believe that was 21 to 19, or I think the judge called it. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, please follow us on Instagram at mono underscore y underscore mono underscore podcast and on twitter at mono e mono two the number two and please let us know what you guys think i should probably plug our instagram and twitter probably earlier in the the podcast so you definitely have to hear about it that's something i'm gonna learn about but again i'm plugging it now let us know who you guys would would want to see in future matchups who you think would win and and so on thanks again guys for a great episode and we'll see you next week